Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the A podcast. I'm Jacob Stahl from the Hockey News alongside Patrick Williams as always. And we're, we're coming here with a little bit of an all-star game recap episode, if you will. A lot happened there. Pat was actually on the scene on the ground, coming back from Montreal right now. I'm actually heading to Montreal in like 10 hours, so we missed each other there because Patrick's avoiding me. But Pat, how you doing? Good, good. How are you? Pretty good. So when did you get back from, from Montreal? Or Laval? Uh, yeah, uh, like earlier today. So yeah, it was uh, hectic, hectic time, right? Like they packed a lot into that. It's about 48 hours or so, give or take. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, obviously the skills competition. There's the all-star game itself. There's the hall of fame ceremony. There's, you know, a lot of the sort of in between off ice stuff. And, yeah. uh, but a fantastic event. I, this was my 11th all-star game. Wow. The AHL and, um, the best one yet. Um, and, you know, really? that's no disrespect to previous ones, but the entire setup, uh, the way it was organized, uh, having the Montreal Canadians involved, um, the facility. I mean, for anyone who's ever been to Place Bell and Laval, I think you know exactly what I mean. And I've been there several times before for regular season games, but um, to see it kind of in the all-star mode, right? Yeah. The, the way the fans uh, showed up, they packed the building each night, 10,000 plus, um, you know, nationally broadcast across the U S and Canada. It was just uh, um, really perfect. Um, and, you know, it certainly sets the bar high next season uh, when it's in, in San Jose. Um, back on the West Coast. So, quick, quick question here. So, the Hall of Fame ceremony was where? Like, where were those events during the day? Because I saw you had a thread about uh, Scott Howe's the State of the Union mm-hmm. Hall, of, Hall of Fame induction ceremony, all that stuff. But when did that take place, and where did it take place? Yeah, so it was um, it was at a theater. Um, you know, probably maybe fifteen minutes um, away. From what I understand, it was originally supposed to be at um, Place Bell, but there was some sort of uh, you know conflict with the schedule. So um, it was uh, kind of at a nice theater uh, set up, you know, not not too far away. And um, you had five players inducted, including or five people inducted, including Dave Andrews, the longtime president CEO of the league. Um, and um, all the players actually make the trip as well. Um, so they, they kind of get a. Um, a little bit of an introduction to the history of the league and all the people that came before them and helped build this thing, which is 87 years old now. Um, and, you know, kind of see the timeline, right. You know, from, from when the league started and all the, all those people that came before them uh, to where it is today. Totally. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, from, from seeing all the, the events and the like kind of everything that was sort of happening, it seemed like a very jam packed, sort of event that you wouldn't maybe necessarily think in the AHL or, or whatnot, but it, it seemed to be really first class. Uh, before we get to to me picking your brain about more of that, I have to ask you what's been on my mind since, you know, we got on here. Did you eat smoked meat? Yeah, not this time, no. I, usually I, I Not the travesty, eat. man. It was, uh, yeah, I know. It was um, is pretty busy event, right? Like, you know, I was going pretty much start to finish, but uh, 
Were you in Laval or Montreal? You're a, uh, it was mostly all in, uh, I was in Laval. I didn't even get down to Montreal. Oh, okay. So you were fully, I was, okay. in, I was in Syracuse the, the couple nights before. So, right. um, it was kind of a go, go, go. I mean, I wish I had more time, but just the way, um, the league likes to try, try to, uh, fit it in, in between, uh, you know, when the NHL comes off, it's all-star break and, and things really get busy. So, you know, they kind totally. of have a little bit more of the stage to themselves. So, it does, by just nature, have to be a little bit uh, more compact. Uh, I did go to Cora's, which I'll tell you, in Quebec is always better, um, you know, for some reason. So uh, so it was good that way. Can't go wrong with Cora's. Okay, let's get to Scott Housen's State of the League, or State of the Union, it, uh, as you will. So a couple things I want to ask you about. First thing, mm-hmm. did anything Scott Housen say surprise you? Not really, no. And... Um, the takeaway I had was, and I mean this in the best way, it was um, fairly non-eventful um, address, you know, like, and I mean that in a good way because, you know, if there's one thing we've had in the last three years, it's way too much happening. Right. right? Yeah. 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 Um, so to, to sort of downshift a little bit and just sort of have a little bit more of a, a status quo and things kind of slow and steady right. at the moment. Uh was actually a nice kind of pace and you know and i I, like i said i've been to 11 of these already and you know in past years you know especially when the whole west coast uh movement was happening and then the subsequent fallout and just everything that would you know happen um every year it seemed like there were two or three you know major fires that were going on around the league right you know either franchise stability or or what have you And, and this year it's just quiet right like there's not a whole lot of uh issues on the horizon now it's more about how do we we're at this level now as a league if you're Scott Allison, how do we take it to that next level right like Dave Andrews left a really good foundation in place let's take it to the next step that was sort of the, the so what is the next step because I, I know they talk about how streaming and not cable tv which I, I mean I don't blame them um is the more preferred outlet for AHL games. So what what is or from what whatever whether it was what Scott said or what you think, what is that next step for the league as a whole? Uh revenue enhancements uh I think a big thing was um getting some real good strong corporate partnerships um is a, is a big thing. I mean, traditionally the league has had more business to business type uh sponsorships. Um now look there you know, he told me that they're they're really looking in that corporate directions heated up in the last six months or so talks with different, different companies and things of that nature. Um, you know, they, they, they fought a lot of their, their big battles already, right? Like the, the schedule, the 72 game schedule, they got that in place for this year. They got the expanded playoff format um, last year, which was something the NHL general managers had really been pushing because they want their prospects to get well, that extra yeah. playoff time. Right. You exactly. know, so, so those two, those two, um, battle. I don't want to call them battles, but you know there was certainly, you know, ground that had to be um, walked through, and they you know they had to figure out some some complications with that. They did that, right? You know, they came through the pandemic. It looks like um, intact, right? You know, and that was one of the things I was thinking about sitting there in that building. It's sold out. You know, it's nationally broadcast. Um, and you're thinking two only two years ago, this was a league that was playing basically a kind of a makeshift schedule in practice range with no fans um, and, and really just playing just to get prospects some ice time. 
Um, no playoffs to speak of. No, just not a typical season, right? And last, even last year was a little bit um, off kilter. And this was an event that had been canceled or postponed twice already. Um, third time it happened was, you know, finally it came through this year. And mm-hmm. I think it just really spoke to how the league managed to really get through a, what could have been a catastrophic situation for them as a lead. I mean, minor league hockey is not an easy business in the best of times. Never mind when you throw a, you know, a, what a once in a hundred year pandemic at it. So uh, the fact that the league came through it, I think, uh, you know, something they're really thrilled about. So the AHL induction ceremony, from what I saw, I mean, just as someone that grew up a massive Manitoba Moose fan uh, in the, in the, in the days when Nolan Baumgartner was in his prime, uh, it was really cool to see him, you know, choke up a bit and be emotional, and especially the ode to to, to Mike Keane, who mm-hmm. I also grew up watching. So that was my personal kind of it's a neat thing to see. And, and I remember a quote about how I think you put it out there. I can't remember who said it. Remind me um, about how it wasn't in the minors; it was the American Hockey League. Yes, and was that Baumgartner? Uh, that was Dave Andrews. Dave yeah, Andrews. Okay. The, the quote was, um, you know, we don't want to treat it as the minors, like the. That, that, that that's a phrase the, the word minors is a phrase that kind of really gets people's back up in the american hockey league and you know just really in any minor league it's it's not generally said in, in, a, in a positive sense right yeah um and you know dave andrews approach to it and this was echoed by like Baumgartner and, and keith coin and some of the other figures there that we want this to be the best american hockey league it can be right like the second best league in the world top prospects First round picks, second round picks. I mean, the, you name it. Um, and the only league in the world where you have players on a night to night basis go back and forth to the NHL, right? Good point. You know, well, look at soccer in Europe. The tier two teams yeah. in you know a country or whatever are still treated like it's the, the hot part. Okay, that maybe is a bad analogy because a lot of these places that's the only team there, and maybe that's apples and oranges. My point being though is other sports, soccer is the main mm-hmm. one. Even the tier below feels like a professional atmosphere. And I think that's what a lot of these AHL teams and organizations are trying to strive for. I yes. just want to ask you a quick thing. So what do you think about the game itself? And, and for those that don't know, what was the format of it? It was like a three-on-three tourney kind of? Yeah, three-on-three, very similar to the NHL setup. All four divisions uh, had a team representing them. Three-on-three, um, three, um, you know, obviously you know, a lot of back-and-forth action. I, I thought it was fa- fantastic. Um Players showed up, right? Like they actually were competing, you know, and it wasn't just kind of, you know, like go around and go on the ice and mess around. Like, you know, they were playing to win. Um, you know, I'll point out too, right? Like these players had, had some really difficult travel, some of them, right? Coming from the West Coast, uh, the league played Saturday night. You know, those players had early, early wake-up calls uh, to get from the West Coast to Montreal by, you know, middle of Sunday. That night they were on the ice for the skills competition. The following day they had – the Hall of Fame ceremony, they had, you know, some off-ice uh, promotional events to do. Monday night, they played the, the, you know, the actual game, and they were going hard, you know, like, and it was, I think, a real credit to them and, and to, the, I think, some of the veteran leaders, too, who, you know, came out and played themselves. And it's one of those things, like, you don't want to be the guy going too hard um, in the All-Star game if no one else is. But when, right. the, when the kind of the top players set that tone, everybody else follows. And I think that's what you saw with, uh, with that. It was, yeah, it was a, you know, it's an all-star game, right? You know, it's not going to be, you know, like game seven of the you know, playoffs, but it was still fun entertainment. And the crowd was really into it. 
I was saying this to producer Connor before we got on. And let me start by saying, I know this will never happen, but remember how, how the NHL used to have that like rookie classic where they had like the first and second years. Could you imagine if they had something similar in the AHL, how awesome it would be. And producer Connor made the, the point of like, that is a bad idea because of the injury risk. And that is completely true. And these guys would probably, someone would probably get hurt, whatever. But it'd be so neat, like kind of like CHL top prospect style mm-hmm. where you had like the best talent in the league playing. I think it'd be awesome. Um, I think it's far-fetched, but yeah, I think that'd be so cool. Then again, though, I think th- that could take away from the All-Star event as a whole, and it seems like all went well. So, Is it is it far-fetched, though? I don't know. Like, I think it is because of like the risk. Okay, if you did it where it was sort of after the year or or something, maybe be different. But is it far fetched? Maybe not far fetched, but it's probably unlikely because of the injury risk. I guess well, maybe but- if you could sort of put it in the context of a three on three or four on four, so it's not quite a full on like you know. But yeah, then- you don't understand. You don't want you know players out there you know diving in front of shots and you know and that sort of thing. But if you still right. had a showcase where they could you know, um, you know display their skill and you know and it was more of a competitive yeah you say if it was somewhere between all-star game level and regular season level yeah like see, i gotta say this is maybe why it wouldn't work because my idea my idea is five on five balls to the wall like i think that'd be like you know how the senior bowl in college football has that yeah. sort of thing where it's like top prospects or i don't know about the best in college football but some of the good ones are facing off trying to raise their stock whatever it may be I know you're probably thinking this sounds like the CHL top prospects game, but no, because like, I feel it'd be cool, especially with like the deadline coming up. You're looking at these top prospects, how they scale up. Can you imagine if there was this event around this time of year where you saw the top prospects playing against the other top prospects? I think it'd be so cool. I think there's some merit to your idea. I mean, um, are you about to drop a bomb McKenzie bomb? I feel like you know something. No, I don't. Uh, no, no, this is no, I'm speaking only on my behalf. Uh, just kind of you throwing this out at me, like, you know, right off the bat. And I, I like it. I mean, you know, I think anything where we can, as a sport, get a little bit creative, right? And totally. just view things in a different light, right? Like, you know, this is a, you know, look, look how much change has happened. I mean, in, in the hockey world in sure. five, 10 years, right? Like, yeah. You know, there was a, I'll tell you, you know, somebody who was around before that, you know, there was a long period where there wasn't a whole lot of innovation. There wasn't a whole lot of change, right? Like, and I've seen more of that in the last five, 10 years than I saw probably the 20 years prior. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is, could you, and I'll, I swear I'll move on after this, but what I'm trying to get at is while there is an injury risk, I'm going to go back to my original point. Teams may get frustrated if an injury were to happen. But from a perspective of, okay, we have an asset. We want our asset to play, to prove their worth or whatever. I know it's a gamble, but it's like, could you imagine you have a prospect going this game, they light it up, and then more teams are calling you? And that's what I mean. It could be a situation where you're... It's no disrespect to the other AHL players that are great in the league. Don't get me wrong. But I think it'd be cool to kind of size them up against someone in their cohort to get a better idea of of where they're at. I don't know. That That was my little... Silly idea. It's not silly. No, I think there's a lot of merit to it. And like you said, the CHL essentially does something like that. So um, yeah, and actually, how many injuries are there in that? I'd I'm gonna look that up before next episode because maybe yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, like you know, there's injuries 
injuries are just a fact of life. And I mean, totally. and listen, you could be walking to the rink and you could slip on a patch of ice and fall and, you know, break your ankle too. Right. Like, you know, life is not risk free, but, um, right. you know, it's sort of what, what do you see as the, 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 the potential, potential benefit to it? Because Rather playoffs than... has that risk and playoffs right. is supposedly this big development opportunity. But what about this game where it could be, I don't know, hold it in January, February. I don't know. Sure. Sure. Like, and you send, uh, you know, you send a player off to world junior championship or the right. world championship. Look at Chris Jeter last week or last year, you know, he, uh, final play of the, the gold medal game, uh, for Canada and yeah. blew out his knee in his nine month, uh, recovery time, or you send a player to Spengler cup or, or whatever. I mean, practice is a risk. I mean, guys get injured at practice. I mean, so you're right. I, I should stop listening to producer Connor. That's a good idea, but I will listen to him right now when we shift to our team of the week and that is shocker surprise surprise the montreal canadians yes. only fitting let's say in quebec while we can just like pat's background um on the screen if you're listening it probably makes no sense anyways team of the week montreal canadians let's get to a couple guys that i want to highlight some are like currently with the habs but have spent a good chunk with laval and for all we know are on their way back there anyways soon so the first one justin Barron, been with montreal for the last little bit he, you know, he was with Laval after, I think it's fair to say he expected to make the main squad out of camp. He didn't do that. Sent back to Laval, has seemed to make quite a lot of progress in the AHL. But now, you know, sort of in that transition phase where he's trying to be an every night regular in the NHL and, and sort of make a difference there. So I'm just curious, because, you know, we're approaching the nearly year since he was acquired by, from Colorado. What do you think about Justin Bear and his game, where he's at, and just the asset worth there? Well, number one, I think he got a really good foundation starting his career in Colorado. You know, I've said this before, I think, you know, either in the show or elsewhere that just, um, he played for Ray Cronin there, the head coach of Colorado Eagles, who's extremely, extremely meticulous. And that's why I'm interested, like Ryan Murphy, for example, coming to Colorado. I'm interested to see what a guy like Cronin can do with uh, Murphy, whose defensive game obviously is, um, yeah, kind of been, you know, under construction. So Baron, you know, not that Baron had those issues, but you know, just those little details that had to get tightened up from out junior, he did that. So when he came to Montreal on that deal last year at the deadline, there's already a good foundation in place. Um, sure. He didn't make the team out of camp. I'm sure. He was disappointed. Well, I mean, I know he was disappointed, but, um, it do, does go to show you that, if you don't make the team out of camp, so what, right? You go down to Laval, you play well, you play yourself out of the American Hockey League. Every single play player that has come from the American Hockey League has done exactly that. 90% of the players in the NHL came that 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 path and had to do that same exact thing, which was play right. their way out, right? He did that. He went to Montreal. Um, he's, I think, you know, held his own. Uh, obviously, Montreal now is, you know, let's see where they're going in terms of the deadline. Obviously, it looks like yeah, they, they're, they're not going to the playoffs, obviously. So um, I think that offers an opportunity for him to take even more ice time with the Habs. Play down the stretch there. And let's see. I mean, who knows? Maybe they can make him eligible for, for the Colorado playoffs. if about right. And then he can come down there with all the confidence he built up in, the, in, in the, this time with uh, the Habs. Come out down there and be dominant, which we've mm -hmm. seen that with that has happened time and time again with players who have who have done that. So uh, I like where he's at right now. 
I think they've managed him well. Um, I, I think this now this this last uh, two two and a half month stretch of the season. Now you make that big push. Yeah, I have a feeling whether it's the playoffs or sometime this year, we see Justin Barron back in Laval. The reason for that is I think if he was in any other organization, sorry, not any, let me clarify. Let's say he was back in Colorado, for instance. Mm-hmm. And this is all kind of hypothetical, but let's say he was back in Colorado. Would he really be disappointed if he was sent down from camp? Of course he's disappointed as a competitor, but there's not as much of an opening there. Sure. So it's kind of like circumstantial because with Montreal, there's not much there. There's a lot of room to kind of sure. take a spot. So further to that point, I don't know if, if Barron's really there yet where he's an everyday player just yet. I think he's he's done a really good job in the AHL, but I think also there could be a time where we see him back um, in the A, whether it's the playoffs or not. Um, actually, just before... Now that, now that you say that, to make him eligible, though, they just have to paper him, right? Or is there anything else? Yeah, be a, be a paper. paper okay, paper. so yeah, right. Um, yeah, you uh, you know, you see it quite a bit, actually. You know, like, of course. Teams, you know, sometimes the most dangerous teams in the Calder Cup playoffs are the ones whose NHL parent teams don't make their playoffs. 100%. And can send down, you, you send down two or three, you know, top tier players. Like Change that, the whole right? landscape. The non goalie or, you, you know, whoever, right? I mean, seen that i mean i don't know how many times it's one of the totally. biggest stories and themes in the color cup playoffs every year is you know that's why it makes it such a hard playoff field to really pick because you know you can have yeah. a, a team that didn't look like a whole lot in the regular season they get that influx of three players impact players and they're a different club Raphael harvey pinard is another guy who's currently with the habs awesome story six points in seven games with the habs such a late bloomer Qu- hometown quebec guy Really, really popped off last season with Laval Rocket. Really strong playoff as well. Just an awesome story, I think. And and I I want to I want to preface this by saying I don't know exactly what his NHL role would be or his upside, whatever it may be. But this is a guy that you know last year he the fact that like last season, for example, I wouldn't say he came out of nowhere, but this is seventh round pick in 2019. Mm-hmm. Scores 56 points, 69 games. Gets a call up last year. Scores his first career goal. Kind of. After you know a pandemic rookie season that was good but not great, so an awesome thing there. Um, why is it that Harvey Penard's kind of cl- climbed the ladder pretty rapidly here? Uh, you know he's he's a Swiss Swiss Army knife type player, right? Like you can use him, you know, kind of one to four lines, like you know, inserting the AHL level. Um, you know, he came in on an uh, AHL deal. He got his opportunity during the the shortened pandemic season, right? Yeah. Um, you know, when the league was, you know, rosters were certainly in a state of flux, he came in and he just jumped on that opportunity, he earned himself a, um, a deal with the Habs after that season. Right. And then, and then followed it up last year, like you said. Right. And um, with, we, against much better competition, I should add too. Right. So like he didn't just um, kind of plateau there. Right. Like he's been getting steadily and steadily better, better, high character player, um, very coachable. Um and he just works every single night, right? Like, not a big guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's definitely on the smaller side. Um, but he plays big, right? Like, you know, and I don't mean, like, you know, fighting. I mean, just like, you know, he battles for pucks. We'll go into, you know, the corners. We'll go into the hard areas, right? Like, he he's one of those players, like, that every good team, they have a couple guys like that, right? Um, 
and he fits that bill. So, uh, you know, I love his story. I mean, it's just an amazing story. Um, a guy that, uh, you know, had to really just, you know, he didn't get anything handed to him. Right. You know, he had to play his overage year in the, in the queue. Um, that was coming off even a huge playoff, um, that he had, you know, he captained back to back teams in the queue. Um, and then just, you know, kind of, uh, really good. Like I said, took that, that pandemic opportunity and, and made something of it. And, strong in the playoffs last year for Laval and their run to the Eastern uh, final. And it's just not stopped, right? Like every year he gets a little bit, bit better than you just keep waiting for him to kind of hit that ceiling. And he has yet to do it. Let's go with Caden Primo. He was a stud for Laval in the playoffs last year. And he seemingly fallen off a cliff. Like from that point, you know, you would have thought like, for example, we talked about Will Bitten last week, the week before as a guy that had a really strong Calder Cup playoff. And then he's carried that over to this year. When I watched Caden Primo last year, I thought that it'd be a similar situation, but mm-hmm. that has not been the case whatsoever. He had like a 936, I believe, in the playoffs yes. last year. Something crazy through 14 games. Now, this year, in 18 regular season games, he's got an 895 save percentage. Now, save percentage can be a little bit misleading sometimes. I think circumstances are very important to note, but that's a big drop off. What's going on with Primo? Um, so he got, he was part of that. So Laval was really really bad the first four to six weeks of the season, right? Mm. You know, just when they sort, sort of seemed like they were starting to turn their, their way out of it, he got injured. Mm. Um, missed almost two months. Um, and, you know, because uh, Kevin Poulin, uh, the other goalie in Laval for most of this year, got hurt. He came back after a two-month absence and had to play three games in four nights, right? You know, that actually did pretty well, all things are considered. But uh, it's been a rough battle. There's no question for him. Um, coming off that uh, that big playoff run where he was, you know, most nights really their best player. Um, it was – you were looking for him to take that next big step, right? You know, then he doesn't make the Habs coming off, uh, you know, training camp. You know, so I think there's, you know, a little bit of a letdown there. Um, and then you come in and the teams, you know, there was a lot of turnover in the summer. The team struggles. Then you get hurt, you miss two months, and now, now here we are, it's February, and kind of your season's barely gotten off the ground. You know what, though? It's all water under the bridge. How do you play the last two and a half months of the season, right? Like, Laval's going to be in a fight for a playoff spot this year. Um, that North Division they're in is really kind of tight there, you know, even, even sort of toward the top other than Toronto, right? Like, nobody's really kind of completely taking charge there. Um, so... Um, despite that bad start, Laval's uh, in the race. I want to see him now do what he did last year in the playoffs, and that's put the team on his back and carry them, will them into a playoff spot. Um, because as we know in this league, once you get in the playoffs, anything happens, right? Um, so, you know, it's a little bit of a different sort of challenge than, than, than carrying a team to the playoffs, you know, to do it now for an extended time the, in the stretch drive. Um, I think this this would be a great way for him to, to make something of this season. So that, that you know, just doesn't kind of um, turn out to be a lost cause. All right. Last one here, Jesse, uh, Jesse Ulonen. Um, what do you make of his kind of rise? So he, he also has had some games with Habs this year, having a very strong season for Laval when he's been down there with 30 points in 36 games. He's actually had 10 games in HL as well. What, what do you make of, of kind of his growth as well? Yeah. Ulonen's, uh, you know, he's, he's, 
it's been a slow climb, right? Like, you know, he, yeah. you know, he came out of uh, Finland. Um, he had played, already played pro um, two years, actually a little bit more than two years. Um, two and a half. Basically. Before he came, yeah. Two and a half, let's say before he came to Laval, came in and kind of really made a quick impression last year. Did well. Uh, this year has been solid. So I think it's been slow progression, but there has been progression. And I think that's the main thing, right? Like that's where you would get concerned is if, um, if there wasn't continued improvement, um, is it as fast as the Habs would like? Sure. I'm sure it's not right. But, um, he's still, I think he's trending in the right way. Um, he's another, I'll be interested to see kind of where they go with him right down, you know, through February, March, April. Um, how do they manage it? Right. Do they like, do they elevate it? Do they, yeah. Do they, yeah. Is it a back and forth, uh, twice or three times a week situation on recalls? Um, do they, you know, kind of implant him there in the top nine with, with the Habs? Do they decide, all right, we're going to send you back to Laval and put you on the top line there and expect you to be the, one of the guys. Um, so it's, I don't have a great sense for how they plan to manage it. I think it really depends on kind of where the, the deadline goes and kind of where the rest of the, the half season goes. But um, I think for, for, for him, yeah, that would be a, an interesting um, case study just to see exactly how they, they want to take this. Right. Like, but it is a little bit of a delicate point in a player's career. Once you get to that 23, 24 yeah, range, absolutely. you know, like this is the time where, well, you're not a prospect you, anymore. Like, I, yeah, like, yeah, you're exactly like, so you're, you know, this is where you need to start to see that jump. Like, absolutely. Jump. Yeah. And like you can where, still make it, but you're not like, you don't have kid gloves on you. For the sure. And this is where, this is where a lot of players can kind of get into, uh, you know, a tough spot, right? Like if, if, if this year to two year period of their career, yeah. 23, 24, 25 range doesn't go the way they want it to go. That's when you start getting into, all right, this guy is no longer really a prospect. He's now just kind of an AHL player. And once you get that label, that label is very difficult to shake off. Let's move on to our prospect of the week. And I'm not trying to throw you a curveball, Pat. We discussed, we're going to go with Lucas Dostal. So we'll save him for another week, but I want to talk about the player that we want to speak about quite a bit this week. That's Dustin Wolf. So he's our prospect of the week. And it's sort of, there's a twist to our usual segment. We, I think he might be the first, second time nominee, I guess, for us. But here's the thing. Dustin Wolf is probably, well, I don't want to, sorry, still, but Pat, you seem to think Dustin Wolf is ready for the NHL. Yes, I do. Okay, so Calgary's team save percentage is at 892. That's 24th in the league. Markstrom has seemingly fallen off a cliff. Meanwhile, Wolf is dominating. So he's got a 928 save percentage this year. That's second amongst goalies that have played at least 15 games. Now, take this year and last year. Combine them. So the last two seasons combined, he's posted a 926 save percentage through what is 81 combined regular season games. You've been covering this league for a longer time than I, but I would guess you rarely see players at 21 goalies, A, do this well, B, get recalled mid-year if they're even doing decently well. So my question for you, Pat, you kind of mentioned before, but A, is it time to give Wolf a, look, Wolf a look? And B, do you think they will? Like, do you expect to see him in an NHL uniform this year? 
Uh, probably not in terms of expecting him. Um, but I do think he's ready, you know, and like, so I went to, you know, it's one of those things like with players, I always like to know what other players think of other players, right? And like, totally. like, who knows better than they do, right? Like you're the one that's either facing that, that player every night or in a goalie case, like you're sitting there at the other end of the ice and the other crease and you're watching this guy play face 30 shots that night. And, you know, like, so like Calgary, San Diego are divisional rivals and they see yeah. quite a lot of each other. So you know, I went to Lucas Dostal and, you know, I said like, you know, what do you see in, in Dostal? Well, what's your scouting report on him? And the first thing is the athleticism, right? It's, it's, it's off the charts, you know, and like, um, it's kind of a Sergey Bobrovsky, like, you know, um, stature in terms of like, you know, he's, he's wiry, he's tall. Um, he's not going to certainly intimidate you, um, you know, size wise, you know, like, like right. some goalies can, but, um, he's so fast. Right. Like, and the other thing too, is just like, he's composed. Yeah. It doesn't like, it doesn't seem like anything rattles him. I mean, he was a seventh round pick. To pick 214th in the draft. I think only, I believe it was only five players went after him in that 2019 draft. That's I mean, insane. If you've ever been at a draft, when you get down to pick 214, that is when they're like cleaning uh, up the hot dogs on the floor. Yeah. There's the, the arena crew starting to like take down the tables and, you know, like the fans are milling, you know, out of the building. And, um, you know, it's, it's basically at that point, friends and family. So here's a guy that's when he's picked, but he, you know, it's an opportunity. It's a foot in the door. He came in, he had a fantastic CHL career, obviously in the Western league, um, came right in last year. Um, one goalie of the year, all rookie team, first team, all-star took his team to the Western conference final against the Chicago wolves. And, um, had they not, and that wolves team was an absolute, uh, juggernaut, but you know, had they run into anyone else, I think, that that would have been a Calder Cup team that he was with in Stockton. Now he carries it over this year in, in Calgary and is pulling better. And he's a workhorse too, right? Like he's already played 34 games this year. Um, you know, leads the lead in that category. You know, so you 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 can give him a ton of work and he can handle it, right? Um, and you know, I still think back to his first AHL game. It was in that pandemic year, and he got lit up his first game by the Toronto Marlies. And, and that was the Marlies team that, you know, was a little bit more uh, experienced and skilled. You know, that that was a, a season, like I said, where, you know, the, the, the talent disparity really did kind of change considerably from one team to the next. He shook it off, right? Like he came out that, that the following game, played well, had to go back to the Western League after that. And then just really, you know, he's, he's just so composed. I mean, mm-hmm. you forget, like, he's only in the second year sometimes, right? And like just how – level-headed he is and you know so yeah let me ask you i would love to see him called up i think he's ready um but there is as we know in in hockey right like that's a tough recall to make because you know you know how that the perception is right so like what what does this mean for markstrom right right um yeah i don't think that will happen but then again you never know like if a team gets in a desperate enough situation you're starting to fight for you're finding yourself in a, in a fight for a playoff spot that maybe you didn't expect to have to be in. Um, you might have to go that, that path. And if they did, I think he could be uh, somebody that could handle that challenge. And that's what I mean. Like that's where, that's where it comes down to like how, how desperate treat Brad for living. How, how, how much does he want to make a change there? And that's what it'll come down to. But I want to ask you a question. When was the last time that you can remember a 
22 and under kind of goalie or whatever, being playing really good and then getting like re- called up, not out of necessity, but merit. Doesn't happen much. No, um, you know, it's not exactly the same circumstances. I think Carey Price, though, when he came in in 07 with Hamilton, um, coming out of the Western League at the end of his junior year. Yeah, he was okay um, in the NHL, I think, too. He was, I was, I still remember, he was absolutely dominant. He looked like he was a 10 year veteran. He came in and he jumped into a playoff situation, too, right? So, like, this was kind of his introduction to the NHL. It was a playoff run for Hamilton. They ended up winning the cup that year. And, you know, so you're, you're, you're facing, the best competition you're going to face anywhere outside of the NHL. Mm-hmm. He came in and it was like, you know, it's like he'd been doing it forever. And um, so it wasn't quite the same circumstance, but that's like, yeah, when I think back to a player that just right off the bat, just got it. Um, you're getting those vibes from him. You're getting Carey Price vibes from Dustin Wolf. Yeah, I don't want to go. I don't want to go Patrick Williams said that <laughs> Dustin Wolf is the next Carey oh. Price. No, I did not. I said We're going to no name the video but, that. Um, but you know, in terms of a player that just came into the AHL and right off the bat figured it out fast, he does remind me of Price in that sense. And that was like 15 years ago. And that's kind of yeah. the point I'm making is that you don't really like there's been good goalies that are young. Like, do not sure. get me wrong. But my point is sort of like what you're seeing here with Dustin Wolf, I think gives merit to the idea that either A, he's recalled, or B, he at the very least he's could be and then see next year he's gonna be a calgary flame and i think that's it's coming becoming very evident um with regards to that but for today's show i think we're gonna leave it there really jam-packed episode lots uh we kind of got in there want to squeeze it in i'll uh i'll let you guys know how i enjoyed montreal next time no i'm kidding but anyways we'll we'll be back next week we'll have an interesting couple segments as always but yeah thanks for listening guys and uh nice to do this thanks guys